the power and the and the energy that comes from like such a project of being like, yes, I'm going to build this tiny house and we're going to live in it and it's going to be awesome. And then and then it's exactly what happens, you know. <laughs> it's just very it's very motivating. It makes you very bold. It makes you very excited to just get out there and go after what you want. Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and this is episode 51 with Jess Sullivan. Even though Jess and her husband, Dan, don't live in a tiny house anymore, I've watched as they built and lived in an amazing off-grid tiny house on wheels, which really inspired Jess to change the way she was living. She's an entrepreneur and has started two successful businesses. I asked her to come on the show today to talk about the mindset that she has and how tiny house living helped to inspire her entrepreneurship. Before we get to that, I want to tell you a bit more about our sponsor this week, which is the Tiny House Design Build Certificate from the Yestermorrow School in Waitsfield, Vermont. My friend Chrissy took a course at Yestermorrow, which helped inspire her to actually take the leap and build her tiny house. So I asked her to tell me about her experience with Yestermorrow and how it was so helpful in inspiring her tiny house. So when I started uh, thinking and dreaming and designing a tiny house, I felt super overwhelmed by the whole process and uh, I had no experience and I was like, how the heck am I ever going to make this happen? <laughs> and I came to Yestermorrow for a lecture on tiny house design and I got to hear from Lena about all of the amazing things that she's done and I got to meet a really rad group of students who are out there actually building something. Um, which made me feel really inspired and capable. Like if they can do it, why can't I? And so after you visited Yestermorrow, did you end up building a tiny house? Yeah. Uh, after coming here for the lecture, uh, there was a lot of other work that I had to do, but um, I was able to you know, pull together a design and actually build a tiny house that I lived in for a few years. To learn more, visit yestermorrow.org slash tiny and use the coupon code podcast to waive the $25 application fee. Again, that's yestermorrow, Y-E-S-T-E-R-M-O-R-R-O-W dot org slash tiny and use the coupon code podcast to save $25. All right, I am here with Jess Sullivan. After designing, building, and living with her husband in their off-grid tiny house from 2013 to 2017, Jess Sullivan has become a seasoned tiny house dweller, blogger, and inspirational speaker best known throughout New England. She continues to write their blog, Another Tiny House Story, and participates in workshops, presentations, and conferences related to green and tiny living. She has a chapter published in the book Turning Tiny, in which she focuses on the incredible and unanticipated changes in mindset and self-confidence that occurred during this great little adventure. She began the tiny house endeavor looking to shed the unnecessary, but could never have dreamt of what she was to gain. Jess Sullivan, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me, Ethan. You're so welcome. And I wanted to start off just by saying, just by asking you, you know, how did your tiny house lifestyle affect your post-tiny house lifestyle? Like, I, I want to kind of connect what it was about tiny house living that kind of allowed these changes to happen or facilitated them. Oh, well, I mean, 
it's night and day, really. I mean, I walked in as one person and then I walked out as a totally different person. Um, the experience in and of itself was amazing. The community was amazing. But I think one of the greatest things that we carried forward was, um, you know, a sense of self-efficacy, meaning you believe in yourself after you have a few successes, you start to believe, hey, I've got this, you know, I'm going to have more successes because I have this history and all this proof behind me that I can do this. So I think that was a really big piece that I gained from tiny house living. There were so many points throughout our entire adventure where we didn't really have all the answers just yet. We just knew that we wanted certain things. We believed we would get there. And I, I think through, you know, perseverance and self-confidence, all those things came to fruition. And that is something that can be applied literally anywhere. You know, it's not just tiny living. It's not just, you know, your business life or your home life. Like it, it, it really, it can work anywhere. You know, you have to be persistent and confident in what you want. And so much more will open up to you. And I think, you know, that persistence, that confidence, that boldness that came from, you know, hey, this is something that's a little crazy, you know, like, and a lot of people are saying, why are you doing this? This is, this is so off the beaten path. And like, part of that was exhilarating. And, it, you know, just to kind of, to be out there <laughs> on the edge a little bit, I guess, um, it does give you a taste for, for what it's, what it's like, you know, to, to run your own business or to be an entrepreneur in any sort of way. Like you have to be willing to kind of go out on that edge to be a little bold you know, to take some risks and, and just really have a lot of faith in yourself and your abilities. Totally. So not to gloss over your tiny house, because the story of you building the tiny house is awesome. And members of Tiny House Engage can actually access a Q&A that we did with you and your husband, Dan, about your building and about, you know, just the amazing and unique choices you made for it. But just to give people listening a little taste um, your house was completely built by you and Dan, and you did it for a really amazing price tag. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so one of the biggest things for us that really attracted us to the tiny house lifestyle was the do-it-yourself aspect. And I think that, you know, there's there's a lot more uh, bigger businesses getting into tiny houses these days, and those houses are gorgeous. But when we first got into it, it was still very grassroots and very, you know, do it yourself and, and strike out on your own kind of, of uh, feel to the whole, you know, landscape. And it was just a lot of fun. Um, so we were into it because we could design it ourselves. It was such a small project that we could manage. And I had very specific things that I wanted. If I was going to go through all the work of building something myself, I had very specific demands. I wanted to have as much of the materials be reclaimed, recycled, reused, because one of the biggest parts of why we wanted to go tiny was because we wanted to have the environmental, you know, impacts be offset. We were very much concerned with living in such a way that we could really respect our resources and use as little as we honestly needed. And also at the same time, we wanted more financial stability. So, you know, living tiny was another way of living well below our means. And so we could get ourselves into a better financial space. And we absolutely did. Um, so when we were actually looking through and trying to get reclaimed materials, we had, you know, barn board as our ceiling from a barn that was raised in 1776. We had old doors from Dan's grandmother's house and my grandfather's house. They were partitions and supports, you know, throughout the, the downstairs. Um, we actually used fallen trees from my dad's backyard as part of one of the posts that was supporting our loft. 
Um, we just had so many little bits and pieces that were reclaimed, reused, and had all these different stories to them. And I kept a spreadsheet of how much money we spent on our reclaimed or reused materials and what it would have cost us if had we bought it, you know, brand new at a big box store. And we saved ourselves over $7,000 in the course of, of building that way, using reclaimed and reused. I mean, it definitely takes some more work and some more time, but you know, the work and the time I was willing to give, the money I didn't readily have. <laughs> so that was another awesome part of it for us was uh, to save that much money. So all in all, our build cost us about $13,000. And that's a pretty low tag, especially uh, you know for what you see today. Amazing. And I will link... Uh, in the notes to Jess and Dan's website and all the photos of their house. And I I encourage people to go and check it out because it's, I mean, you wouldn't look at it and say, oh, that was a cheap, that was a cheap build. Um, It looks (laughs) great. Yeah, I hope so. (laughs) Yeah, it's very, very homey and awesome and kind of fort-like. I like it. (laughs) So let's kind of go back in time and, and tell your story Starting with you're living in the tiny house, were you working for someone else at that point, or were you kind of between things? Like what I was, I was in a corporate uh, marketing and sales job, and in 2012, when we really decided that we were going to go for this, at the end of 2012, I was still working that job, <clears throat> and we built throughout the course of 2013 and moved in by the end of 2013. And then in 2014, I started to really think about my job and whether or not it was something that I wanted to continue to do. And I kind of just made the decision that if a certain couple of things weren't going to be any different, that I was just going to strike out on my own. I don't know, just the 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 power and the and the energy that comes from like such a project of being like, yes, I'm going to build this tiny house and we're going to live in it and it's going to be awesome. And then, and then it's exactly what happens. You know, (laughs) it's just very, very motivating. It makes you very bold. It makes you very excited to just get out there and go after what you want. So I really started looking around at my job and being like, man, I really don't like it here. And like, I've already gotten a taste for go after what you want and work for it. And you know, it's going to be yours. And so I thought to myself, if certain things don't change within a year, I'm out of here. And I'm not going to go look for something just like it. I'm going to go do something that I've always wanted to do. And by the time the year was through, I was definitely all in on my decision. And I decided to leave the corporate atmosphere and start my own bakery. (laughs) I actually was torn between baked goods and fitness. And so I've kind of decided to dabble in both at this point. (laughs) Okay, so let's go into the baked good things. Because my first exposure to this was... uh, not meeting you for the first time, but seeing you at Tiny House Summer Camp and getting handed a bag of these little crunchy, <laughs> cheesy, delicious things and being like, oh my God, these are incredible and addictive. Yes, the cheesy crunchers. Yes. Cheesy crunchers. <laughs> so um, I decided that I wanted to go after a longstanding dream, which was to have a, a food business where I created different food products and, and sold them whatever way, not necessarily a restaurant but like a bakery or something of that kind. And so I decided I was going to go in and start gluten-free and dairy-free because I have to, I, as well as my husband, we need to make choices like that uh, for health reasons. And there's just, there wasn't a lot out there. You know, it's gotten so much better over the last few years, but I struggled with that for several years and got frustrated that, you know, I was constantly making things at home and 
it's nice to just have something that's ready to go. And I figured there was a lot more people like me who were looking for these options and they just weren't there. Um, and another piece of it for me was I have a long history with learning how much food has affected my health and also learning how much food affects the economy, the environment, all of that. Another thing that I'm really, you know, always looking into and always thinking about is my environmental impact. And that came in the way we lived and it also can come through the way you choose to eat. Um, so for me, I was really trying to promote healthy eating, you know, provide that gluten-free and dairy-free alternative for the people who needed it. And also kind of spin some knowledge in there and, and tell people about how food choices can affect, you know, the future health of our planet and your own future health. Um, so that seemed like the biggest thing that I wanted to do. And I started off by creating a line of different baked goods. And one of the things that became wildly popular were those cheesy crunchers, that little cracker. And there's actually no cheese in them. Um, so that was something that kind of just blew people's minds regularly uh, when they would try them. But yeah, it was just a really great experience to, to be able to just kind of dive right into that and, and have that boldness from a past experience to like spur me forward. Um, so I ended up doing really well with the bakery for about three years. And then I decided that the baker's life was just not for me. So I, I decided to leave on a high note. Um, I was actually, you know, getting nods from Edible Roadie Magazine, Rhode Island Monthly. I was interviewed on the newspaper, you know, local Go Providence. And uh, a lot of good things were happening. But personally, I was completely drained. It was I was basically a one woman show. I had a few people that could help me a couple days a week, but not that much. And I'm sure, as you know, like being a business owner, like you carry a lot of things with you everywhere you go. You don't really punch in and out. Um, so that really started to wear me down and I began to realize that I love cooking and I love educating people about being healthy and making good choices for the planet, but I don't want to make, you know, 500 muffins a day, <laughs> every day, Wow, every day, <laughs> you know, I just, it wasn't for me. So I was like, I, I got to come at this from a different angle. And so after three years, I made the bittersweet choice to close two little buns. And, um, then I started my next venture. Um, I got certified as a personal trainer I've gotten additional qualifications in fitness nutrition, and I'm going to keep getting more um, in in relation to nutrition and fitness. And again, once again, really wrapping food into it and and wrapping, you know, an environmental consciousness into how you live your life, even as a fit person, you know, even as someone making food choices, like there's ways you can live that are going to be a lot better for the planet and everyone on it. So what I love about the story, even though we haven't even gotten to the present day quite yet, <laughs> is that these transformations seem to me that they would only be possible while living well below your means in that tiny house, you know, having the flexibility to quit your corporate job, to start something and then to decide, Hey, this something that I'm doing, even though it's like successful, it's not for me. Yeah. I, I felt like it was a rough day when I made that decision, but the further I get from it, I, I see myself being super proud, you know, like to recognize you know, that something isn't for you after you've poured your heart and soul into it, you know, there's a strength that comes with like deciding, hey, that's not what I want. So I'm going to change yet again, you know? <laughs> yeah, maybe I could compel you to make a Two Little Buns cookbook. I'm going to. I am. I am. Yeah. Oh, good. Yes. Yep. I'm going to be, that'll be out in a few months. Great. You can send me a commission on that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Send you a jar of crunchers. You can eat them on the show. Be really distracting. Yes. yes. <laughs> All right. I will eat a bag of crunchers into the microphone to promote your cookbook. 
Um, so let's talk about Taproot Training. So that's what you're doing now. And is is this like an online business where you're kind of like an online nutrition coach and trainer? Or do you are you focusing locally and working with people in person? I think I, I would say that I am primarily going to be online, but I do work with uh, clients as well. I do love hands-on, face-to-face work with people. Um, I, would have, I would miss that part too much, I think, uh, transitioning from the bakery, getting to see so many people all the time was awesome. Um, so I definitely still like to have clients and do the face-to-face, but I don't carry that many clients on purpose because really my motivation and my main goals are to, you know, like spread good knowledge, you know, teach people just wholesome, just honest to goodness, good things about like how to live your life, how to approach every day, like what kind of mindsets to be thinking about, you know, all of it. So it, it just kind of morphed from, I see now that I love food, but I don't love just food. I love, you know, teaching people just to live healthy and, and, you know, in the best way possible. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you're no longer living tiny. Can you tell me about your current living situation? Yes. So we decided um, at the very end of 2016 that we were moving on and we put our tiny house up for sale and everything just went so smoothly. I, I actually, I have a blog post about believing that it's hard to believe that it was actually real. The whole process was just, I it happened so quickly. And so it was just like a dream. You know, this woman who had been watching my house for a while, you know, our house, she saw a tour with uh, Deke from Lackshacks.com. And I mean, for two years after that, in her brain, she's like, I want that house. If they ever sell that house, I want that house. And I put up my post and within two days, she contacted me. Within five days, she'd come to see the place and like, you know, sign the paperwork. And it, it was just done and done. And it was so fast. Um, wow. It was a really, I mean, it was a great experience from that turn point too, because, you know, when you think about, well, the investment or, or how much time you put in or, 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 you know, how's it doing for you financially, like the lifestyle and all that, you know, selling it and moving on, that's a big part of it too, right? You know, like you spent that money, but like, are you ever going to get it back literally? You know, a lot of people want to see that happen and we absolutely did. You know, we, we almost doubled what we put into it and, and got that back. So that was pretty amazing. Um, but we did decide that we needed to move to a different place. I was still doing two little buns at the time and it had gotten to the point where Dan was in school and he was working, you know, a, a night job and my hours were literally all over the place. And so we'd barely see each other and we'd barely get home and we kind of lived out in the sticks a little bit. So I was driving at least 45 minutes, you know, 30 to 45 minutes, you know, back and forth from head headquarters or back and forth from a market location to headquarters to home to, and it it just got to the point where we were barely there. And when you have an off grid homestead, you have to be home. (laughs) You know, there'd be days you'd be, there'd be days where I'd be like, I get home and be like, Oh, well, solar power is on the fritz for some reason, you know, I can go through and do your maintenance or whatever. Like we always fixed it, but like, it'd be nice to be home and have caught that four hours ago, you know, when the battery still could have charged for today or you know, things like that or getting home and being like, oh, we only have 20 more ounces of water. Great. <laughs> I, I, I forgot about water, you know, because we did carry in and carry out water and it was great and it was super fine and easy and manageable when you actually, you know, work regular hours and have some kind of a routine. But we were just kind of in mega busy mode and hardly being able to 
you know, be at the place. And at the, at that point, we just kind of saw that we needed to move into a more rural or excuse me, urban area. I could be closer to my work and Dan could be closer to, you know, commuting to his job and all of that stuff. So it just kind of worked out that we, it was time. It was time for us to move into something else, but we knew from the get go, like we approached this entire thing as an experiment in living some other way. You know, it wasn't like, this is it. This is the house build it once, live in it forever. You know, that was, that was never our intention and never our mindset. Um, so it was, uh, you know, we considered it a pretty, pretty big success. We lived there happily for three years and we met this amazing community of people and, you know, we've been featured in magazines and books and, and there's a documentary and we're going to be a part of that. And it was just so many cool things that happened. And it was just a really nice and happy way to kind of put a bow on top of that when it, we sold it and, and smoothly transitioned into something, into a, a small apartment. So um, what about tiny living do you feel that you've kind of carried forward into your lifestyle? I mean, I'm assuming you're not carrying water into your apartment. But. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was one thing where I was like, you know, I didn't mind it, but woo, so glad. <laughs> one, kind of one of those, like I'd do it, I'd do it, but. So glad I don't have to. Um, I think one of the things that carried over is having an appreciation for the smallest things. You know, like even the word choice there. How about that? <laughs> the tiniest of things. Um, I, I, I remember just coming and looking at the very first apartment we found. It was kind of perfect. It was right near one of our old apartments. We liked the area. It's a fairly cheap area. Um but I, I walked into the apartment and I was like, the water's running. There's electricity and I don't have to check panels. You know, like it was just uh, everything like blew my mind. And we just found this to be like the greatest place ever, even though we know it's, you know, it's an, it's an OK apartment. But <laughs> uh, we just love it and we appreciate it so much because, we, you know, we see the differences in the way we could live. And and there's definitely things that we choose to appreciate because why not? Um, but one of the things that we've carried over for sure is not a need to get stuff to fill space. For example, I'm sitting in a room that is essentially empty. So this would be a dining room in most cases, but I'm sitting in a room that has an exercise, a big exercise mat on the floor and just a little shelf with some weights and exercise equipment. And it's basically our gym. So it's just a completely open room. That's actually, we did the math and it's about one not quite one and a half pods. So it's pretty insane that I'm I'm sitting in this room now looking around and being like, yeah, this was uh, more than my entire home for quite a while, you know? <laughs> a little mind-blowing, yeah. even now. And good on you for not filling it with too much stuff. Yeah, yeah, you right. I mean, those old patterns wanted to kind of come back, but I, I would sit there and ask myself and be like, what? No, you don't need to put something there. Just you know, embrace the space, like enjoy the openness and the the simplicity, you know, that was, that was a part of what I, I really loved and, and want to keep as long as I can, you know, from the tiny, tiny life was just the simplify, 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 you know, I had just so many things that I can't justify buying anymore. You know, if they're literally just something for me to look at or to fill a space, I can't do it. And I'm happy. Yeah. It saves me a lot of money. <laughs> so do you think you would consider another tiny house? Yes, absolutely. I, I forgot to mention that earlier. We knew like when we left the tiny life and sold that, sold the pod, we knew that we would retire tiny. We already knew that. Like 
when when the day comes when we know that you know we're not going to have children or expanding family or other moves like that and we're ready to settle somewhere we're absolutely going to go tiny again in the meantime do you have any ambitions for other alternative housing types i know i remember that you and dan took a straw bale workshop with with andrew morrison yes Yes, we actually, that was our honeymoon. <laughs> we did a straw bale workshop and that was another piece that we wanted to incorporate. So if we did do a, a live tiny, it would be, you know, like a traditional on land structure, but you know, something that was probably less than 300 or 400 square feet. You know, that's what we were, that's what we imagine. And we would love for it to be something like straw bale because that is just um, insanely efficient. <laughs> and so it is such a great way to like, you know, winterize your home and, and have just like really high efficiency for your home. I've seen that moving to a tiny house and then kind of either embracing entrepreneurialism accidentally or, you know, intentionally going tiny to become an entrepreneur is a fairly common storyline that I've seen in this community. And as somebody who is now Two, twice successful as an entrepreneur, you know, in and out of a tiny house. What advice do you have for, for other people who are on this path? I would say, you know, if you're here and you're listening, you're, you're already making the right steps. You know, you're, you're a part of a community like Tiny House Engage. You're learning about what you want. And, and I, I think, you know, just take pride in every small accomplishment you have, like, because all the small accomplishments add up to the great ones. You know, everything is in stages and steps. And if you can, you know, really just kind of give yourself a pat on the back when you really should. That's something that I learned, you know, through living tiny that I, I never gave myself that much credit before. But then to see something so real and physical in front of you, such as a tiny house and be like, whoa, I did that, you know, like I, I'm, I said one day, let's do this. And, and then here it is, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing. And it's kind of one of those slappy across the face <laughs> moments of realizing like, wow, I, I am capable of so much more than I ever thought, you know, like I have no idea what I can do, but if I believe in myself, it's going to be great. You know? So I think like the piece of advice I would give to anybody who's on the tiny house path for more independence or for, for a better grap hold their uh, financial life and all of that, <clears throat> I would say, you know, celebrate every victory towards making your tiny house, towards transitioning tiny and, you know, continue to be bold and take that boldness of choosing tiny. I feel like it's still something that even saying, hey, I want to do this, like that's something to be proud of because there's a lot of people who still look at tiny and say that that's insane. I could never do that and won't even try. But for the people who are already here and thinking this way, like, you're already on the path. Just keep going and keep, you know, really nurture that boldness in you and, and follow what you want. I like that. So I usually ask my guests to share two or three resources that help them on their tiny house building journey. Um, but for you, I'm going to make you do twice the work. Yeah. So I was wondering if you could tell us some resources that helped you on your tiny journey and then also if there are any books or resources or people you follow from an entrepreneurial perspective that, that you recommend? Just entrepreneurial, but not tiny house. Well, how about a couple of each? Okay. Uh, let me try and think about that. Um, I'd say sources from the tiny house realm. Um, I did a lot of like, 
you know, Mod Podge search on the internet, but there were a couple of different YouTube channels that um, were really helpful to me. I wish I could remember them, but I know that the Alt E store was another great um, helpful example for me. Like mm -hmm. that company really helped with the off grid portion of things. Like they really walked me through and they were super open about the tiny house part of it and really helpful and, and gave me a lot of things to consider, you know, knowing that what we were doing was tiny. Um, so the Alt E store was a really great resource. Um, and then I just, I followed a lot of the newsletters. So, um, a lot of Andrew Odom's work I've followed mm -hmm. and he's been, he's kind of, I think he still calls himself the content crusader, right? <laughs> so he's, yeah. he's been in like a, you know, several places, different newsletters and magazines and stuff, but I always seem to go and find where, you know, where he ended up. Um, little yellow house or little yellow door. Was that Ella? Ella's journey. Yeah. Yes. So I think she was one of the first ones that I followed. And then of course, D Diedrichson, I followed him a lot cause he just, you know, he's a great, he's just funny and lively and he's always got, you know, bizarre and cool things to show you. And he's really into the shelters and simplicity and small living. So, um, those are some of the people that I really, you know, found as to be good resources, but I didn't really have any, like, I still didn't feel like there was that many like steady sites out there yet. There was definitely nothing like tiny house engage, you know, like things were starting, but there's so many more awesome groups and resources now. So yeah, it's good. And for I will shout out, out, I'll shout out to your blog. Um, cause you did a really, really great job of documenting your build. And you, ha in particular, there's a series of posts that you did about your off grid setup that I actually, send people to when they say, how do I do this myself? I'm like, you got to check out. Oh, that's great. Another tiny house awesome. story. Yeah, that's awesome. I made the I made that video after being really frustrated with all the other videos I had watched. <laughs> there was so many that were just piecemeal, or they'd be like holding the camera off up towards the sun while they were pointing at something or, or they were it was just like nobody told you the whole the whole succinct thing. You know, I had pieces and parts from everybody. Um, and so I was like, you know what? I'm making a video. <laughs> My system works and I can explain this on a very basic level. So I'm going to put that out there for the community. There you go. So I'm pretty happy to hear that you're, you're telling people to go check it out. So it is doing its job. That's great. Totally. So what about from an entrepreneurial perspective? You know, do you follow any people or have you read any books that have influenced, you know, how you start and run these businesses? I would say that um, some of my bigger influences are just more um, well-known authors and business leaders like Jim Rohn, Stephen Covey, um, Robert Greene is another one that I really like. I'm I'm very interested in you know human dynamics and and so the psychology of things and why we want what we want and why we react and interact the ways we do. Um, I think just understanding people is, is step one of, of building any kind of business because your business is to serve people somehow or some way other people are involved. So I've, I've just really enjoyed following, you know, just business leaders of that, at that level. So I've read a lot of Jim Rohn's books, Stephen Covey's books, um, a couple other people like Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich is a really big favorite of mine. Um, a few others I've read. So good they can't ignore you. That one was really cool. I can't remember the guy's name. I think that's Cal Newport. Cal Newport. That's it. Yeah. And he's got a couple of others that I want to check out too. But um, I just follow a lot of just, um, you know, level-headed, leadership-centered business people. 
you know, they're thinking about people, they're thinking about how we all relate and interact. And, and I think that that's a really good place to start, no matter what kind of business you have first understand the people that you want to interact with. That's great advice. Well, Jess Sullivan, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. You can find the notes and links from today's show at thetinyhouse.net slash 051. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 051. The Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast is sponsored this week by the Tiny House Design Build Certificate at Yestermorrow in Waitsfield, Vermont. The Tiny House Design Build Certificate is for everyone from professionals entering the tiny house market to DIYers who want to design and build their own home. This is the most comprehensive tiny house course available. The curriculum covers all the must-knows for the tiny house design build and offers students hands-on experience designing, drafting, and building a tiny house on wheels for a real client. To learn more, visit yestermorrow.org tiny and use the coupon code PODCAST to waive the $25 application fee. Again, that's yestermorrow, Y-E-S-T-E-R-M-O-R-R-O-W dot org slash tiny and use the coupon code PODCAST to save $25. Thank you so much to Yestermorrow for sponsoring our show. That's all for this week. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show in your favorite app so you get the new episode every Friday when it comes out.